0: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Boogie Gibson. I'm Josh Kreese. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand.
1: Ladies and
2: gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk with the latest in sports news.
1: Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champion. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric
2: Chicken. In depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT?
1: <laughs>
2: and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, room and you can go on the. You list. know what?
0: It's, <laughs> it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. I'm wrong, I think that was textbook top cheese.
2: Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips, now it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen, from Northeast Ohio and beyond, you're listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Marin, and I'm the host of the show today. And man, it feels great to be back in this studio on a Sunday morning and afternoon. I know we beef on the air a ton, but a huge shout out. Goes to Logan Congrove, who filled in for me in back to back weeks. He did a fantastic job and helped me go out and do a lot of cool things, which I'll talk about later. But I could not be happier to be back on Sports Power Talk speaking to all of you for the first time in over 20 days. It's a wonderful feeling, and I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. Today on the show, I'm joined by two great analysts, as always. First, he's just as much a baseball enthusiast as I am. He is Dev Lucas. Hey, how you doing, Jake? I'm doing great today. How are you doing, Dev? I'm good. And second, nobody's getting rushed on today's program, but he's still the highly entertaining Casey Rush. Man, it feels good.
3: What a very good weekend. The Zips won. The Zips won, and the Penguins actually broke their
2: losing streak. What a good Saturday night, if you ask me. Don't like to hear that about the Penguins, but yes, some good (laughs) tips basketball over the weekend, and we'll talk about that here very shortly. We're going to have a lot of fun on today's show. We'll end the show talking about the Cleveland Guardians and the upcoming MLB season. I know Dev and I can't wait for that segment. In an hour, we'll talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA. We have a fun game planned for that segment that you won't want to miss. In half an hour, the Zips women's basketball will be our main focus. We'll talk about the headlines surrounding the team with one league week left in the regular season. Also, we'll answer all your hot mic questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports in that segment as well. But without further ado, let's get into the show and we'll tip it off with our Zips and Ben's basketball team. Our round the root question is coming up shortly regarding the Zips chances in the MAC tournament, but let's get into how they performed this week. First against Toledo on Tuesday, a rough loss. They lost 84 to 63. The Zips were down 12 to 11 with 12.55 left in the first half. Then they were down 24 to 24 to 11 with 7.35 left in the first half in a blur. What'd you guys make of this rough loss on Tuesday night to the Rockets?
1: Well, I have to be honest. I think Toledo just has Akron's number. I mean, the first time we played them, we lost by ten, and that was at home. And now this time we're playing Toledo at Toledo, we lose by twenty. Toledo was over fifty percent from three point range, and that's not a good combination at all. So I'm just worried about when we when we have to play them in the MAC tournament, if and when. I just think that's going to be very scary for the Zips. Yeah, long story short, we were just completely
3: flustered that whole game. We shot four from 21 from outside the arc. That's 19% from three. And it didn't help that Toledo literally made half of their threes. And, we, and I know we talk about we, they can't stop one guy. They couldn't stop two this time around. JT Shoemate and Cedric Miller Jr. had 20 points each. The only thing similar with both teams was rebounding. Both teams actually rebounded really, really well. But the moral of the story is, we just couldn't make shots. We weren't calm. We weren't cool. We weren't collected. And if we're going to beat Toledo again, we got to come back with a clear
2: mind. Yeah, I agree with you guys that they they certainly do have the zips numbers so far in the year. And you mentioned Akron shooting Casey. The field goal percentage was fine, but when you look at that three point percent, obviously concerns oh. there going four for twenty one, and then even from the free throw line as well seven for four, seven for fourteen from the free throw line only shooting 50% from the the charity stripe there. Enrique Freeman had a great game, 18 points, 7 for 9 shooting, 9 rebounds, nearly a double-double out of him. Yep. The team just struggled getting it to him, especially in the first half. Yep. I noticed a lot of our turnovers came in the first half, just trying to feed him inside and just not being able to get him the ball. Xavier Castaneda, a rough night shooting, he went 4 for 11, still got 12 points, though. And just Akron's defense never really showed up. They came out sluggish yep. out of the gate. Toledo shot 52.5 percent from the field and like you said Casey as well they shot 50 percent from three-point range they were outscored by 13 points in the first half by eight points in the second half in the atmosphere I just think was too much for the zips there were 5,600 people in attendance at Savage Arena it just was not the zips night any last thoughts on that Toledo game before we get into the win yesterday over Western Michigan
1: yeah I have to agree Jake it just really was not the zips night yeah, the Tol- yeah, the Toledo fan base is
3: definitely one of the more passionate fan bases in the Mac. It's difficult to get a road win at Savage Arena for sure.
2: Yeah, we lost to the Rockets eighty four to sixty-three on the road, and we previously lost to Toledo at home on February seventh, eighty four to seventy four. Certainly a team that we do not want to see in the Mac tournament up in Cleveland at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and Toledo right now is the number one team standing wise in the Mac right now Uh, let's talk about the game yesterday against western michigan we did win 81 to 64 had a 10 point lead going into halftime and they turned it into 20 points just four minutes into the second half what would you guys make of this pretty dominant win over the broncos
1: well yeah it was a dominant win but i think us zips fans are hoping the first 15 minutes of that game was just a hangover from the toledo game Mm. i mean this uh, western Michigan team has is only three and thirteen in Mac play. Seven total wins. I'm watching the first half. Uh, before the five-minute mark. And I kept saying, this team has seven wins. How is this only a three-point game right now? Like, you should be pulling away, like, way sooner from that. But the Zips eventually did with those three points. Like, they kept getting three-pointers with, like, five minutes left to go, and that was good to see. And the Zips ended up uh, shooting 52% from the field, and they were 40% from three-point range.
3: Yeah, it's those little starts, I'm telling you. Yeah, the game was relatively close in the first half, as Deb mentioned, but then we hit back-to-back-to-back threes, 3s from Xavier Castaneda, Tavari Johnson, and Trenton Hankerson. That's when we found our groove, and since then there was no holding us back. The Zips Zips were forcing the Broncos to turn the ball over. Heck, even the Broncos were forcing the Broncos to turn the ball over. We were out-rebounded by a slight margin, but that didn't matter at the very end since we were playing lights out throughout the majority of that game, especially with five minutes left in the first half. If we play 40 minutes like that, just imagine what this team could do throughout the whole entire season.
2: Yeah, I agree with that and that's funny Casey the the Broncos were forcing the Broncos to turn the ball over. Yeah, I
3: I literally fell down laughing at one play when they completely threw the ball completely threw the ball away from everybody else. I'm like, dude, the band's not playing basketball. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, the Broncos had multiple opportunities, and they just did not cash in. That, it could have easily been way closer to the end of the first half, maybe even the Broncos having the lead. I mean, they were yeah. really, the turnovers are just, it was pretty funny to see.
2: And you guys mentioned the slow start. I think there's reasons for that. And I'm going to kick it over here to head coach John Gross on the win and kind of mentioning some of the reasons for the slow start against the Broncos. Without further ado, though, here is John Gross
0: unbelievable game uh from the standpoint of i said this to the guys after the game like there's some games and days that transcend basketball and obviously you know enrique freeman's been going through some things that are personal and uh you know he wasn't available till late this afternoon right before the tip and then g was out tonight because he was ill and hopefully we'll have him back for tuesday and he was supposed to be the primary cover on norman you know obviously greg's uh you know an all-league type defender the way he's defended all year so You know, we had other guys that had to step up. You know, I thought the bench mob, we call them, uh, Kobe and Amani and Garvin and Tavari gave us great minutes. And then I thought Enrique's energy was amazing, you know, considering everything he's, uh, his family have been through. So it was, uh, and then Castaneda was good tonight. I thought Hankerson was really good. I thought those guys' leadership was important tonight. Um, and, And it was great. Their voices carried. They talked. I thought we were pretty connected. You know, we'll look at some things we need to clean up, I'm sure. I thought our defensive details, we lacked some discipline a few times late in the game when we were up. Um, and I thought we took a few bad shots in the second half where we settled. But all in all, um, you know, good win and uh, happy for the guys that they came together when it would have been easy with G out and, you know, rate getting here, you know, just before tip-off to have excuses and they didn't have any. So, I thought that uh, that was the most positive thing about, uh, about the day and was really proud of him.
2: That was head coach John Gross of the Akron Zips men's basketball team on the win yesterday against Western Michigan. And you guys were talking about the slow start of the Zips team yesterday. One, because they were without Greg Tribble, their best defensive player. Nate Johnson filled in for him very well yesterday. And then Enrique Freeman, some personal issues going on with him. Hopefully everything is okay with Enrique. We love him to death up here at WZIP Sports, showing up an hour before tip-off. And you kind of saw that sluggish start from Enrique in the first half. Enrique really turned it on in the second half. But Nate Johnson, I mentioned him really coming in strong for Greg Tribble. Thirteen points, six rate shooting, four steals, and three rebounds in thirty or so minutes in that starter's role. What did you guys think of John Gross's comments and maybe the reasoning for that slow start in the first half?
1: Yeah, I think I would have to agree with that. Yeah, we were out without Greg Tribble. I was actually kinda wondering when they announced the lineups why he wasn't in the game, but
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah he was out due to an illness yeah.
1: yesterday.
3: Yeah, I was yeah like Dev. I was just as confused with Greg Tribble not starting. Yeah, it def- the slow start definitely made a lot more sense after hearing John Gross's comments with Enrique Freeman dealing with some personal issues. I hope he gets better with with that going forward. But yeah, this kind of slow start can't can't happen despite circumstances.
2: Yeah, and I did want to play this piece of audio as well. Just. Head coach, John Gross, again, talking about Enrique Freeman, what he means to this team. Obviously not getting into the details of the personal issues that he's going through right now, uh, but just some more praise for this young man that has led this Zips team to so much success, not only this year, but of course last year as well. Here is Gross on Enrique Freeman.
0: His effort level, his attitude. I mean, you know, the guy, I, sometimes I call him the unicorn. You know, it's just who he is as a student, person, player, player effort level, work ethic, teammate, you know, they're in a the guy in that locker room doesn't love that kid. You know, he means a lot to us and our program, and, you know, it was impressive what he, what he did today, everything, the challenge of today, uh, personally and emotionally for him, and then to show up, you know, an hour before tip-off and play the way he did was impressive.
2: There's not a guy in that locker room that does not love Enrique Freeman, and there's not a guy up here at WZIP Sports that doesn't love Enrique Freeman either. What would you guys think about those comments? I know uh, Casey got a little chuckle out of John Gross calling him a unicorn, Uh, but really, I mean, that's really what he does and, and what he contributes to this team week in and week out.
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny him saying that, but yeah, it does make a lot of sense. He is a big contribution for the Zips. Yeah, let's face it. Without Enrique Freeman, the Zips team wouldn't be what it
3: is right now. And it's a legit title. It's a legit MAC title contender. And we gotta thank Enrique Freeman for that. He's definitely a big asset.
2: Absolutely, Mm -hmm. and he still showed up yesterday and got a double double for Akron and you know turnovers as well yesterday akron only five turnovers the entire game compared to western michigan's 12 it was just all around a great team win they played for one another they were aggressive of course some mistakes here and there down the stretch kind of settled into the victory there uh, too right. early but certainly something that they can build on down the stretch of this season let's look at this final week of mid American conference play before we get into the tournament up in Cleveland as the Akron zips. They don't have easy games down the stretch. Two hard games right now. They play ball state on Tuesday. This game does happen at the jar. It's at home for Akron. They're fourteen and one at home this season. They're now third in the Mac. Ball State fell to fourth in the Mac after a loss to Eastern Michigan yesterday. So what do you guys think of this matchup against Ball State and what should be a very exciting contest at home on Tuesday night?
1: Yeah, I think the Zips are going to beat Ball State. They played them well earlier in the year, but they just weren't able to like finish that game and also had a lot of players fall out late in that game earlier in the season. And I think courtesy of the home crowd, the Zips are going to win and stay within one game of second place Kent possibly playing for second place in the finale of the season. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this matchup.
3: Let me give you three players to watch out for. Number zero, Jerron Coleman. And number five, Peyton Sparks. Now, Coleman leads the leads the Cardinals in points, assists, and steals. And Peyton Sparks leads the team in rebounds. We couldn't stop both of them in our last trip. And then also DeMarcus Jacobs. you got to watch out for this guy, too. All three of these guys average double digits in points. Now, there is one X factor we did not have when we were in Muncie, when we played the Cardinals. And literally, and that's Xavier Casaneda. We didn't have him, and we're going to have him this time around, and you also got the AK Rowdies. They're going to play a factor. It's senior night. You're definitely going to be hearing a lot of noise from those guys. Trust me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to provide the noise there as well, <laughs> and if we play like we did in that Western Michigan second half, there's no
2: stopping us. You're going to be there, Casey? Oh, yeah. You're going to be bringing in the noise? Uh, I'm going to ask, are you going to come out with that signature move where you take off your glasses and Try and offer them up to the ref? I do that every single game. All right. Love about? to hear it. Love <laughs> to hear it, Casey. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very entertaining game on Tuesday night. You mentioned it's senior night. It's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of emotion at the jar on Tuesday. And you mentioned the previous matchup against Ball State on January 6th. Both of you guys did. Uh, Dev... You mentioned how you know Akron struggled to close out that game. They still won 70-63, but Casey also mentioned that they were without one of their best players in Xavier Castaneda for that game. So that makes a huge difference. Uh, Ball State, they're 6-6 six and six on the road. Not a great team when they are traveling to opposing teams' uh, stadium. They did win. They have won seven of their last nine games, but they lost yesterday to Eastern Michigan. Like I said, a surprising loss. They lost to one of the worst teams in the conference, Western Michigan, at 78-68. Then beat Kent State, 82-70, in their next game. So they are very inconsistent. They're beating good teams. They're losing to bad teams. Four guys scoring double digits. Anybody can beat you on any given night. So it's a very unpredictable team. We'll see what team we get out of the Cardinals on Tuesday night. But I also like the Zips' chances on senior night to pick up the win against the Cardinals. And if anything else, keep that third slot in the MAC, heading into the season finale against Kent State, that team down the road on Friday night. Of course, this one is on the road. What do you guys think of this matchup?
1: Well, as much as I would like to say the Zips are going to beat Kent in the finale of the season, and I think it would be nice to see them sweep, I don't see it happening. I think Kent's too good of a team to... Let the zips sweep them, especially at home. But I think the zips are gonna make up for it if they see them in the Mac tournament and they'll probably beat them there. Yeah, that yeah, but yeah. Every time the zips and golden flashes go up against each other, it's a huge toss-up.
3: Last time last time we talked, it was for the Kent State home game. I said we needed to I said we needed to see the zips perform at their best. They did. I said they needed to stop Sincere Carey, Malik Jacobs, and Myron Thomas from going off, they did. I said they needed to out-rebound them and box out. They did. The question is, can the Zips do it again this time? And I think it's going to be a sold-out Mac Convocation Center up in Kent. It's going to be just as loud and electric. I know how loud those Kent fans can be. I expect fireworks from both teams. I think the Zips do have the talent to pull it off. The question is, can they use 100% of that talent? If they do, it's going to be a fantastic ending, and we might get the number two seed. Who knows?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. It's gonna be a it's gonna be an insane atmosphere on Saturday or on Friday. Excuse me, against Kent State. Previous matchup, of course, the matchup place, taking place at the Jar on February third. Akron won sixty seven to fifty five, pretty handedly. Xavier scored twenty four, Enrique scored nineteen in that game. Really just limiting what Kent State could do on offense. Of course, this game though taking place on Friday, it's on the road. It's going to be Kent State senior night. It's going to be a very uh, enemy atmosphere, and we didn't really respond well to that against Toledo last Tuesday night. So personally, I don't think the Zips are really going to respond well to that this coming Friday against Kent State. I think it's going to be a close game, but if I were to give a prediction, I would ultimately side with Kent State, but I think it's going to be a razor close, maybe a a game that comes down to a final possession or two.
1: Yeah, that's what I'd have to say, too. Yeah, definitely. But
2: one key factor here is that because
1: canceling twenty minutes away, you are going to have a lot of home fans going to that game than Toledo.
2: Yeah, I know there's going to be a lot of people here at WZIP going to that game as well. And there were some be, Ken people. I'm going to be one of them. <laughs> there you gonna go. One there's going to be well. Ken. There were there were Ken State fans as well at the jar. When, yep. when we played them. I know Logan Congrove and Alex Hender are going to be at that game covering it for WZIP Sports on Twitter. At WZIP Sports, go follow right now and don't miss their coverage of the game on Friday night to stay in the know of everything going on when it comes to Akron and Kent State and their rivalry going down this Friday. And you mentioned it, Deb, they could be competing for the second seed in the MAC mm-hmm. If Toledo drops a game or two, they could be competing for the first seed in the MAC. Very entertaining. And the stakes, the, these stakes are huge. Jake, don't get your hopes up. I don't think we're going to get that one. So you know Toledo's still good. Hey, we'll, we'll talk about it very, very soon. <laughs> Let's get into some other headlines with this team. Let's preview that MAC tournament that is just, you know, two weeks away at this point, up in Cleveland at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse. I want to ask you guys, what would winning out do for this team? You know, we mentioned Ball State. We all think they're going to pick up that win. Kent State a lot tougher, but a game that we could win, what would winning out do for the team as they approach the MAC tournament?
1: I think if you win out, you're going to have so much confidence that even if you do have to face Toledo in the MAC tournament, I think that'll carry you over to beat them, in my personal opinion. And I think they potentially could win the MAC uh, tournament and maybe even win a game in March Madness. I mean, who knows? That's kind of what I'm looking at right there.
3: Yeah, it's definitely going to send a message out there that we're not horsing around this year. Winning those last two games is going to give all the momentum to this Hungry Zips team. They're going to look to defend their crown and we had a 5 game winning streak to end the regular season last year a lot a winning streak at the end of the year can can definitely bring a lot of momentum into that tournament just look what happened last year especially over two of the top 4 teams in
2: the mac this is going
3: to be a huge week for the zips if they can pull
2: this off yeah, I agree. It's going to be huge if they can win out before they go up to Cleveland for the MAC tournament. It would jump them to potentially second place in the MAC and give them an easier route to becoming back to back MAC champions. Wins over Ball State and Kent State would solidify their spot in the standings, which would be huge for their confidence. Like you said, Dev. And look, when it comes to these tournaments, what matters is confidence. What matters is momentum. You could lose 10 games in a row, but if you win those last three, those last five games before a tournament, you're in good shape because you have the momentum heading into it. And I think that would be huge for the Zips to accomplish here if they can win out this season. Of course, last season, that's not how it went. They lost their last game to Kent State last year, and they still ended up winning the MAC tournament. So even if they lose the season finale this year to Kent State, all hope is not lost, but it would give us a chip on our shoulder, if you will, for us to win out this season against Ball State and Toledo. One last question as it regards to this uh, men's Zips basketball team, guys. What's your seed prediction for the Zips in the tournament? Right now, they're sitting at number three. Toledo occupies the first spot. Kent State occupies that second spot. and Ball State, who are playing on Tuesday, they're right behind us at number four.
1: I think the Zips are staying right where they are at the number three seed. Like I said, I don't see them beating Kent, but if they beat Ball State, I think that pretty much will solidify their spot as the number three seed. Yeah, I think the number three seed is definitely the most likely, but even, I don't care if we end up number two, number
3: three, or number four. I still like our chances going into this MAC tournament. If last year proved every anything, it's that the Zips love being the underdog. The Zips are just as dangerous this year as they were last year, and you got Toledo and Kent looking for revenge and stealing the crown. I am... This is going to be one of the more highly anticipated MAC tournaments of all time. I just cannot wait. But I think the Zips do have a chance to pull off
1: back to back. And didn't they enter last year as the four seed?
3: Yes, they did. And they won it. So. Yes, they did. They Doesn't... beat Buffalo and they beat Toledo, which gives us a lot of problems. And and then you got Kent State, who did who did release that rap track that would
2: even make Antonio Brown cringe. Oh, I think man. that was part. Of,
3: <laughs> I think that was part of the reason why we won that last game as well.
2: Yeah, it was a great MAC tournament last year. Being able to cover that for WZIP Sports was an honor last year in Akron's route to a MAC title, beating Buffalo, beating Toledo, and then beating Kent State in the championship game. It was a storybook that ending awesome. last year. Let's see if we can get the storybook ending this year as well. But I agree with you guys. I think the third seed is pretty realistic for the zips right now my prediction is that akron ends the year 21 and 10 which means they split the games remaining one and one they beat ball state they lose to kent state hopefully kent state falls to ohio and athens that'd be a huge loss for kent state and i think it could happen ohio is definitely one of those sleeper teams in the mac right now
1: really good at home
2: Exactly. Yes, they are. And Ball State-Toledo, that game on March 3rd is huge if Ball State could Whoa. potentially pull off the upset against Toledo. But again, the realistic uh, prediction out of me is they'll remain third in the MAC. They are only two games out of first place, but I just think that they'll stay at the third seed, which means they would play Buffalo again in the first round, which is a great matchup. We've beaten Absolutely. Buffalo both times this year, 81 to 64 and then 86 to 66. So, dominating games this year when Akron plays Buffalo. So, I'd love to see Buffalo in the first round of the MAC tournament. Absolutely. One more thing before we go to break, and this is our around the room question for this week, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. And this question is simple. What's your confidence level for the Zips in the MAC tournament? So we have brackets of percentages here. We have zero to 25%, then 26 to 50%, 51 to 75%, and then 76 to 100%. So how confident are you guys for the Zips to repeat as MAC champions and get it done in Cleveland in about two weeks or so?
1: Yeah, I would say between that 51% to 75% range. I just, Toledo's a team that worries me. That's all. I just don't know if they could beat them in a. Potential championship game, so we're just gonna have to hope that Toledo doesn't win. I think that's pretty much we gotta hope for.
3: Yeah, I highly doubt Toledo's gonna be releasing the cringy rap track on Snapchat anytime soon, leading them to a loss. But I think I'm around that. I'm about seventy six percent confident. Like I'm, I can't be too overly confident because every time I have any sort of confidence, the team ends up losing. So there's that. But I do. I am really excited for these next for that final week of mac regular season play especially the mac tournament it's it's going to be a good it's going to be a good
2: couple weeks yeah i'm just excited for march guys march is such a great month for sports college basketball of course getting into march madness and these these conference tournaments as well baseball's coming back dev and i are very excited about that but it's just a very exciting month for the sports world. And I'm going with a 51% to 75% category. I'm definitely closer to the 75% than I am the 51 Casey, surprisingly, though, you're going 76 so you're in that last bracket. Yeah, just... Toledo gives me concern, like you said, Dev. Ken State also gives me concern. You know, if they don't make another rap track, then they definitely do <laughs> give me some concern come the Mac tournament. But I like the Zips' chances overall yeah. to become back-to-back MAC. tournament. Champions And hopefully they do make it to March Madness again this year. That was a whole lot of fun to cover last year. And you can expect more of the same this year. When it comes to WZIP Sports coverage of the MAC tournament. And even further than that, if they make it further than that, on our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. And that Around the Room question is live right now, at WZIP Sports on Twitter. We want to hear from you. How confident are you in the Akron Zips to get it done this year in Cleveland, at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse, in the MAC tournament? Go vote in that poll. It's time for us to head to break. When we come back, though... We're going to transition to the Zips women's basketball team. We'll talk about the biggest news surrounding that team and Melissa Jackson. Also get into their week in review and talk about their chances in the MAC tournament as well. You're not going to want to miss it. It all happens next right here on 88.1 WZIP on Sports Power Talk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murray, your host for today's show. And today I'm joined by Dev Lucas. Hey, what's up? And Casey Rush. Hey, everybody. All right, guys. We talked about the Zips men's basketball team last segment. It's now time do get into the Zips women's basketball team. And very soon, we're going to get into Hot Mike, of course, the segment where we answer all of your questions left for us on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. But let's get right into the Zips women's basketball team. And rather than talking about a game to start off the bat... We have a huge headline. It was released on Tuesday that Melissa Jackson, head coach of the Akron Zips women's basketball team, would not return to the team after the season as her contract expires on June 30th. When asked about the decision, Jackson said she was, quote, very disappointed and, quote, uh, the Zips have lost seven of their last 10 games and you know casey you just grunted when i said the news is it's kind of been a very underwhelming story so far everybody's kind of feels sad about it uh but what are your thoughts on the melissa jackson not firing but her being let go was it the right decision was it the wrong decision uh i could definitely see mixed reactions to this i mean
3: she's been she's been our head coach for five seasons the first two seasons we were like sub 500 we weren't really a contender until last year when we finished in third in the Mac and we ended up losing to the eventual Mac champions in the Buffalo Bulls in the tournament. But I could see why she would be gone because we only lost one game prior to conference play and then and then we faltered after going off to a three O start. It's sad because she was one of the architects behind our only NCAA women's tournament appearance in twenty fourteen. It's sad but I can understand why the decision was made.
1: Yeah, uh I mean her coaching, her head coaching record is fifty five fifty six, so it is yeah. below five hundred technically. Yeah. She has the chance to send them to their second consecutive Mac tournament, and I say a chance because yeah, as you were saying, Casey, uh they started off twelve and two this season. And honestly, since the end of the third quarter at Bowling Green, it has not been the same. It was I think they gave up like forty points in the fourth quarter against Bowling Green. And ever since then this team has looked like a completely different team. And yeah. I don't know. I just can't say that I'm surprised, and uh, we'll just see. I mean, I don't know. It would be kind of crazy if they go on a Cinderella run in the MAC tournament and they still don't restructure her contract and, like, bring her back.
2: Ugh. I would love to see it. I would love to see this team just band together, play for one another, play for Melissa Jackson down the stretch. Yeah, that's and, what I'm hoping for. Yeah, go out there as an underdog. Cinderella story, win the MAC tournament up in Cleveland for the women's side of things, and just that storybook ending for Melissa Jackson and her tenure here at Akron would be amazing to see. But overall, with the choice, I think it was the the wrong decision in all honesty. I just don't understand yeah. it. Jackson's passion for the women's Zips basketball program seemed to be unmatched. From an outsider's perspective, it seemed like the players respected her and were receptive to her style of coaching. They responded well to her advice and her critiques. And this is a year where the Zips were making records in the beginning of the season for the best start in program history. You guys mentioned it. And at the time, the idea of the head coach being let go was blasphemous. And now here we are talking about the headline. And Jackson's her her track record for the Zips head coach is a good one. You mentioned the the overall record, Dev, but she has led the Zips to fifteen plus win seasons in four over five years with the program. Has a good chance at getting them back in the MAC tournament here. In, in this decision, you can debate if it's right or wrong, but at the time it was it was put into effect. Right? What are the Zips playing for down the stretch now? Are they playing for her? Are they playing as a team, or is all hope lost? Coming down with two games left, and then the MAC tournament to be played in Cleveland.
1: I mean, maybe if you go to the MAC tournament, I think your goal, your ultimate goal, is to win the MAC tournament. And if you do that, I mean, maybe the hearts will grow three times the size as me and Casey were talking about off air. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's that's pretty much what you have to do.
3: Hey, I've seen crazier tournaments in the past. Maybe Akron. I would I would pay legitimate dollars just to see the, just to talk to the script writers and say, hey. Let's have Akron win the MAC win the MAC women's tournament for their head coach. I would definitely, I would definitely
2: love to see that. Yeah, I'd love to see it as well. And the question here is: Will they play for her and in her honor to end the year? Or I think so. is the motivation and drive this season lost with the slump that they're in? And now the news that the head coach won't be returning for what would have been her sixth season. I'd like to think that they will play for her and in her honor, like you said there, Casey. Hopefully, that is the case down the stretch for the Zips women's basketball team let's get into the week that they had though and first we'll talk about their loss to Toledo on Wednesday It was a close loss 80 to 76 before we break it down here is the aforementioned head coach of the Zips women's basketball team Melissa Jackson on the loss
4: yeah I'm really proud of our group you know it's been a a rough couple of days and um, they showed again how resilient they are to come out the way that they did in that first quarter and play as loose as they did moving the ball, shooting the ball, um, kind of clicking on, on all cylinders. Uh, but we knew Toledo's a great team, and I think out of the three right now, they're, they're playing really, really well um, at the top of the league. And it's always a battle with them. We always know it's, it's, it's a close game. Um, we know each other really well. We run a lot of the same stuff, have a lot of respect for Trisha Callup and her group, but really proud of our group tonight. I challenged our post players. You know, I thought, you know, the first time we went up there, uh, they they really pounded it inside against us, and so I thought Reagan, Faith, and Molly did an unbelievable job, you know, on their posts. Um, their guards really got loose, you know, tonight and, and hit some some key shots, some timely shots at some time, some some key times. But again, our group just battled, battled, battled. Um, they could could have quit, um, but they really wanted this tonight, and um, I think this is a lot of a lot of momentum for us going forward.
2: Yeah, it was a a great loss if you consider losses to be great at times. Only lost by four points to one of the best teams in the MAC, in Toledo on Wednesday at home. What did you guys make of this Zips women's basketball game? I think it should have been a
1: win, quite frankly. Uh, They were up by 10 at the end of the first quarter. And then Toledo then outscores Akron in the second and third. And they hold off an Akron rally in the fourth, but... That may not have. They may have. Akron may not have needed a rally in the fourth quarter because Toledo's bench outscored Akron's bench twenty-seven to three. Jada Jensen, a bench player, had nineteen points, was the second highest scorer for Toledo, and yeah, they should have won the game. I think. Yeah, that's just been a theme for the Zips, having winnable
3: games just slip out of their grasp. I thought both teams played like around the exact same game. Field goals, three points, and field, three throws were nearly the same. We did get out-rebounded in terms of offensive rebounds. That cannot happen. And we were committing more turnovers. That cannot happen. And as Coach Jackson mentioned, there were a couple of players that got hot. As Deb mentioned, Jada Jensen off the bench. She had 19 points. And then Sophia Weird, she had 20 points. We had them. And that's, like I said, it's just been a common thing. We had them in our grasp, but it was just one mistake too many. And that cost us.
2: Yeah, it did cost the zips on Wednesday night. The zips had a season high 14 threes in the game. Still not enough to be beat Toledo. Toledo, they are the number one seed right now in the MAC for the women's side of things. Toledo, they took a 40 to 38 lead with 929 left in the third quarter and they just simply never lost it. But the zips, they were able to stay competitive with a 22 and four team who is now in sole possession of that first spot in the MAC. Reagan Bass, 24 points, 10 for 13 shooting, 7 rebounds. A normal, great game out of her. And Lane Farrell... 17 points, 8 assists. And this was really similar to earlier in the season where it was the Bass and Farrell show. And, you know, Farrell really came out there with some aggressiveness. Lately, it's been the Bass and Neitzel show. It was really great to see Farrell back out there playing with some aggressiveness and really uh, filling up the bucket alongside Reagan Bass. The one singular stat, though, that you look at and you point to and say... This is the reason the Akron Zips lost to the Toledo Rockets on Wednesday night, and it's the turnovers. Yeah. Akron, they committed 17 turnovers in the game. And the issue isn't new for the Zips team. I feel no. like we're constantly talking about turnovers being the main problem with this kid they've experienced in the latter part of this regular season. Uh, any comment before we move on to the Miami game yesterday on the turnovers? And I guess the good contest that we gave uh, Toledo on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, well, I just have to agree with you, Jake. I feel like since Mac play has started, turnovers have been an issue. Mm-hmm. And that's just... I mean the collapse in the season where they started four and one in MAC play and now they've to now it's all because of the turnovers. Yeah, if you would have told me at the
3: end of the if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that the Zips were going to start off really really hot and then just falter when it came down to conference play, I would really think you were crazy. But then
1: again, it happened. It's just such an Akron Zips moment. I still I can't don't believe like they it. started. Sorry, I didn't to talk about it, I'm talk bit. I still can't believe they started four and one in MAC play and now they're seven and nine in MAC. They've only won three games since then. That's. In yeah, Mac play anyway,
3: that's yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's just extremely sad with what the Zips have been going through as of late.
2: Yeah, what? That's three and eight in Mac play since starting four and one. Yeah, yeah, Ugh, it's,
1: that's awful. That's terrible.
2: It's been a rough stretch for this team. Part of the reason why Melissa Jackson is being let go after this season, which of course I think is the wrong move, but you guys kind of seem to understand the move. But yeah. regardless, let's get into yesterday afternoon's game against Miami of Ohio. It was Senior Night for the women's Zips team. They did win eighty-eight to eighty, only six points off the bench. The starters carried the load and they finished the season 12-5 and at home. Uh, Any thoughts on that game yesterday against the Miami Redhawks?
1: Yeah, the Zips performed well and, dare I say, maybe even looked like the team that we saw at the beginning of back play, like when they were 4-1. and They looked good and uh, Molly Neitzel led the way with 24 points for Akron and Akron was shooting over 66% from three-point range. thought that was amazing. And uh, 54% from the field and uh yeah i like what we saw yeah that was yeah that was what i wanted to
3: see because i was at that game i was at both the women's and the men's game yesterday it was it was definitely entertaining the zips were a lot better shooting wise we were more calm cool and collected throughout the majority of that game we were getting more rebounds we took care of the ball more and at And basically, Miami was the team that was flustered, not the Zips. They shot four for 25 from three. That's 16%. And as Deb mentioned, we hit two-thirds of our threes. Hit two-thirds of our threes. We looked more complete. As Deb mentioned, Molly Nitzel ended up with 24 points. And Dominique Camp did get a double-double with 19 points and 10 rebounds. And Reagan Bass ended up with 19 points of her own. And Lane Farrell with 14. I thought the ladies played an intelligent game
2: yesterday. I hope we play like this moving forward. Yeah, well said, guys. That Zips offense, you mentioned the three point percentage. They went six for nine from three point range. They were effective, but they didn't have to rely on the three ball to win this game. It was great to see 88 points scored out of this Zips team. And we mentioned it. It's senior night for the Zips team. So shout out to the following seniors for playing their last game at the jar. Dominique Camp, Molly Neitzel, Rachel Martindale, and Lane Farrell. Here are, here is actually, you know, all the seniors after yesterday's game.
4: Yeah, it was a big night just for us in general because, you know, we are seniors, but, like, our team also made it very special for us, and, you know, they always have our backs, and they wanted to make today uh, a really fun day for us, but coming here with a win, coming out with a win, like, that was the goal, and we got it done. Uh, It meant a lot to me, you know, I know that all of us knew that this was going to be our last time playing here, and I think all of us really wanted to go out, you know, playing hard and playing well, so, and, you know, it means so much to me that those shots are just falling for me today. Um, well, yeah, I just continue to just um, keep fighting for what I can do for the team. Um, I know that I can um, fill up the stat sheet in different uh, areas, and I just want to continue to do that for the
1: team. Yeah, honestly, it meant a lot because this game was
4: huge for standings, tiebreakers, and everything. So just even to, be, like, be on the bubble, it honestly meant a lot for us to knock off Miami.
2: Yeah, that was Rachel Martindale, Molly Neitzel, Dominique Camp, and Lane Farrell in that order. And Rachel Martindale really bringing the fire to that post-game press conference there in the beginning of that clip. And you love to see these Zips seniors go out on a win, and especially in the fashion that they did. And Molly Neitzel, you mentioned the 24 points, and that was actually a career high for her. On senior night, at home, in her last game at the JAR, you love to see it. Uh, Any last thoughts and any last goodbyes you know to these seniors as they play their last game at home here.
1: Well, one bad thing from the game is the Zips did turn it over 12 times. So the turnover thing, they're still turning it over more yep. than 10 times a game. Yeah. But they got the win and I mean celebrate the win. Let's not talk about the bad things. Yeah. Yeah, but
3: yeah, society remembers our bad moments as opposed to our good moments. Dev, it's all yeah, forgotten. Dev don't yeah, <laughs> Dev, don't do that. Yeah. Bali, Dominique, Lane Rachel if you're listening to this we're going to we're going to miss you very very much I look forward to I look forward to see the future going forward
2: Yeah well said Dev we do wish them the best moving forward, and hopefully they do make that Cinderella run come the MAC tournament. But let's talk about their upcoming week, their last week in MAC play. They play Buffalo on the road on Wednesday. The Zips, not a great team on the road. They're 4 and 6 on the road, but thankfully, Buffalo, not a great team in the MAC. They're 10 and 15, 5 and 11 in conference play, and 4 and 7 at home. What do you guys think about this game against the Bulls?
1: Well, if Buffalo wins out, they can qualify for the tournament. So I feel like this is a game that Akron could potentially lose because Buffalo has a lot to play for and Akron did play them very well earlier in the season but Buffalo's had a lot, lot to play for. they got to win two games and they got to hope for a little bit of help and that's how they qualify for the tournament. So I think, I think they're going to beat Akron.
3: Yeah, especially with that huge tie in the middle of the max standings for the women. They're I, I have three players that we that the Zips need to watch out for, and that's Akia Winfield. She leads the Bulls in every category except for points. That goes to Roshana Stone, another player to watch out for, and Hattie Ogden is their best three-point shooter. You gotta watch out for those three ladies. I expect another intelligent game from this for the Zips, especially since they got all of them after winning against Miami. Because you're also because the Zips are also fighting for their tournament lives as well. I. I expect the same that we saw in Miami. I expect three to four starters in double figures. I want us to box out more. That's one thing I saw in Miami. We weren't boxing out as much, even though we didn't really need to. And we need to take care of the ball. As we mentioned, the turnovers have been a huge problem for this Zips women's team throughout the whole season. And we just need to stay calm and cool. And if we do that, we're going to be in good shape.
2: Yeah, Buffalo, they have lost 10 of their last 12 games, but they did break a six-game losing streak yesterday with a double-digit win over Bowling Green, who's second in the MAC right now. Even in their losses, they are showing uh, some pretty good effort on the floor, and the margin of their losses is very small. I do like Akron's chances here on the road playing Buffalo, who's just not that great of a collective basketball team, especially on their home court. I like Akron to pick up the win on Wednesday, but how about Saturday when they also travel to Central Michigan to take on the six? and 21 Chippewas.
1: Yeah, I think the Zips are going to beat Central Michigan and I think this will put them it's a winner go home situation because I have them losing against Buffalo so this will clinch their spot in the MAC tournament probably probably and I think uh yeah.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. This is a definitely it's definitely an easy schedule for the Zips going down for the going down to the final week. And as always I got to mention the the top three players for each team. Cindy Harris is their top scorer for the Chips. And you also got Bridget Utberg. She leads the team in assistant steals. And then Rochelle Norris, you gotta watch out for her. She leads in rebounds and blocks. Just copy and paste what I said for Buffalo. Just we need to play an intelligent game, three or four starters in double figures. We need to box out. We need to take care of the basketball more and we need to stay calm, cool and collected and and then we'll be absolutely brilliant.
2: Yeah, I agree with you guys the previous matchup against Central Michigan on January 18th, we won 80-65. to Central Michigan, they've lost seven of the last nine games. I think this is an easy game for Akron. I think both of these games are easy for the Zips to win, but nothing really has come easily to Akron down the stretch. I do like them to finish the year uh, on a three-game winning streak, though, which is some pretty good confidence heading into the MAC tournament. We did this for the men's side of things. Let's do it for the women's side of things. What's your guys' seed prediction for the Zips in the tournament?
1: Seven or eight depending on what happens with the other games. Because like I said earlier, I don't I don't see them beating Buffalo. So I think they're guaranteed to be seven or eight. But it just depends on the other games, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I just I just want to have a little shit of optimism. I could see us staying in that number five spot for now, which would put us with a matchup against Kent if we were if this tournament were to start today. That went over Miami was definitely a conf- confidence booster. And I could have seen the ladies miss the tournament if we ended up losing that game. This now this team has a lot of momentum, especially with Melissa Jackson going off, riding off into the sunset, and I hope we can leave. And I hope we could see the Zips w- lift the trophy up in Cleveland. I've seen crazier tournaments before. Let's see what happens.
2: Assuming Akron wins out and finishes the season eighteen and eleven. You know, Kent State, who's fourth in the MAC, could lose a game to Toledo. I actually think they're third now in the MAC. NIU, uh, one game ahead of us right now. Ball State, who's third in the MAC, would could lose games to Toledo and Bowling Green. But there's just a lot of separation between those top three teams in the MAC, and then where the Akron Zips are right now. They are four games behind Kent State and seven games behind Bowling Green. So those losses don't truly matter. And Akron likely stays the fifth seed in the Mid-American Conference, in my opinion, which means right now they would actually play NIU. But I would love to see that game against Kent State in the first round of that MAC tournament. Just give me the popcorn and let's see the Akron Zips play. Kent State. Oh. Hopefully, you know they do pull off that Cinderella run for Melissa Jackson and for and for those four seniors that we just talked about. We'll see how it goes for the Akron Zips uh, women's basketball team, not only down the stretch but also as they prepare for MAC tournament play in about two weeks or so. Without further ado, though, before we head into our second break of today's show, it's everybody's favorite segment. It is time for Hot Mike. Yeah. Let's get right into to the questions. We'll start it off with Aaliyah Craig as she asks, how do you feel about the Akron rivalry between St. V and Hoban being canceled?
1: Uh, I'm not a huge high school uh, fan, but I I think it's, I mean, it matters. R- rivalries definitely matter. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of high school football, but I know a lot of people are
3: going to be very, very upset. I know St. Vincent, St. Mary's, and Archbishop Hoban, they're definitely one of the biggest rivalries in town. It's just a shame that it ends.
2: Yeah, I know the alumni of St. V and the alumni of Hoban are probably upset by this news and really just Akron in general knowing how big this rivalry was and how much it meant to the city. Personally, though, I don't really care. I know yeah. that's kind of harsh, but like <laughs> high school football to me at this point doesn't really affect my life too much. And <laughs> it's not really a sport I follow. I do feel for the people on on both squads and in the city that do, that does care about this rivalry. But to me, I mean, just the effects are so limited. I could care less that St. V and Hoban aren't going to play each other for the foreseeable future. But maybe, you know, they they do hook up this rivalry game down the line. So we'll see what happens there. Let's move on, though. Isabel, our entertainment director here at WZIP, shout out to them. They're doing incredible things. Entertainment Rebooted, wherever you find your podcast, and also on the air as soon as we get off the air at 1 o'clock every single Sunday. She asks in Hot Mike, what is your favorite song in WZIP's system?
1: Probably Lose Yourself by Eminem. I'm a big Eminem fan.
2: Good pick. Oh, I got to pick one. Oh, man. Jesus. Oh, hey, we're the station for the nonstop hits, man. Yeah, I know. Akron's I know. home. Akron's number one for nonstop hits. It's hard to just pick one song, right, Casey? Yeah. Yeah, and
3: th- I think I got to go with a new one. It's Love from the Other Side by Fall Out. Oh, boy, I'm a huge rock fan, and
2: All right. it's definitely that. Fair enough. Maybe uh, our alternative Sunday on Sunday nights kind of gets you in the good mood. Oh, yeah, they do. All <laughs> right, there you go, Casey. Uh, for me... I'm a big AJR fan. Not many people are, but I'd like uh, DJ is Crying for Help. Their newest single, On Our Airwaves. Logan Buchanan, our music programming director. Love him for putting that song in the in the playlist. Uh, <laughs> that is definitely one that I enjoy listening to the most. Let's go to Jake goat. He has a list of questions, as he always does. Of Shout first. out to him. Uh, first, he says, Do you think I can go six weeks without mentioning him? Some context behind this question. Last week, Logan Congrove gave... A bit of a ultimatum, a bit of a scenario to Jake Goat saying if Jake Mernagot can go six weeks on Twitter without mentioning Logan Congrove, (sighs) then Logan Congrove on these airwaves will flip a coin to decide if he will follow Jake Mernagot on Twitter. I'm going to be in this studio when that coin flip is taking place. So I will be here to make sure Logan Congrove is truthful when that coin flip takes place. I'll be graduated by then, but I will still be here for that point. <laughs> Do you guys think that uh, Jake Merna regardless though, can go six weeks without mentioning Logan Congrove?
1: Ah, uh, no.
2: I I would be surprised if he even lasts three days without mentioning him. <laughs> I think he's gotten seven days right now. This happened last week. I don't know. Really, it, it's tough, man. Six weeks is a long time. I don't see this going for five more weeks. Yeah, it's
3: going for five more. I weeks.
2: don't see it either. That just Logan Congrove makes too many. Silly arguments and silly debates on these airways. How can't you flame them on a daily basis on Twitter? <laughs> yet alone six weeks. I certainly couldn't do it. I don't know how Jake Goat could do it. Uh, next question out of him: thoughts on the hitters' clock, really the pitchers' clock in the MLB. Uh, Devin, we're big MLB guys. Casey certainly weigh into this as well. What do you guys think of the clock?
1: I think it ruins the game personally. Mm. I don't I don't like it at all. And I think there's gonna be less pickoff attempts because they have to pitch it in like, wasn't it like fifteen seconds now or something like that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's... I think there's gonna be
1: I just feel like there's gonna be more steals and I don't that's not necessarily a bad thing, like more scoring, sure, but it, I feel like it ruins the integrity of the game.
2: And did you guys see the Red Sox and Braves game, the spring training game yesterday? What? Do you not know what I'm talking about? I didn't get a chance uh, to catch it. Did that game end with a clock violation? It did. But the it's your stereotypical you know, bottom of the ninth, Ugh. two outs, bases loaded, tie game, 3-2 count. Oh, my God. That's very anticlimactic. It was literally like your perfect scenario, and actually it was a batter's violation. Ugh. He didn't get in the batter's box in time, so strike three was called. He was called oh, out. And no. in spring training, Ugh. games can end in ties. So the game ended in a 6-6 six six tie Ugh. with bases loaded, two two outs. I hate this yeah, rule. I I hate this rule. Yeah, Rob Manfred, the game lasts. The game goes
3: goes fast enough. You don't need to ruin it with a pitch clock. I don't. Why I don't know why they do it in the minor leagues. I don't know why you have to put it in the major leagues either. I could tell you this much:
1: this is not going to last more than this season. After this season, yeah. it's, it's, it better. It's, it's, it's going to be
2: gone. Yeah, it's, we'll see what adjustments the we'll see what adjustments the league certainly makes. It'll be oh, interesting to see uh, how this rule changes. Over time, and this is just year one of it, Jake Mernagot also asked, how's your throat, Casey? Give us give some context for this uh, question, Casey.
3: Well last, well, last time, Dev, me and I, me and Jake were here, I had an extremely sore throat. I was very, very sick. I had a fever going in. I wasn't sure I was going to make it, but hey, the show must go on. This was going to be my flu game. And one month later, it's definitely getting a lot better. It's yeah. a lot better.
2: And it was one of your best shows, that flu game appearance, the the first edition of Rushed right here on SBT. Uh, it was a great time there. Last question from Jake Mernigo. He asked, what are your thoughts about the Kings-Clippers game, which ended 176-175 to 175 in double OT? A little bit of an all-star game in the regular season, if you will. Yes.
1: Yeah, I like a lot of scoring in games, so I thought it was really entertaining to see.
2: Yeah, this was definitely a f- This is definitely our version
3: of that Pistons Nuggets game. I think that I think it was way back in the nineties that lasted like one eighty six, one eighty four, and triple overtime. I think this is our version of it, and I thought that was just a very exciting game. When I first
2: saw this, I'm like, "What on earth?" I'm like, "Wow, that was awesome." Yeah, it was an incredible game to watch and incredible stat line from both teams, really, if you look at it. And it really was kind of an all-star game in the regular season. I believe it was the second highest scoring NBA game of all time in the regular season. So just insane uh, scenes there from the Kings and Clippers game. Next up, Logan Congrove asked in Hot Mike, he says, Good morning, gentlemen. It's good to be back in my bed this fine Sunday morning for the first time since February 5th. Jake, this is for you. Tell us about your DB-trained event experience with your independent podcast, Forge in Ohio. Well, thank you for the shout out, Logan. I appreciate you very much with that. And yeah, that was one of the reasons why I was off SBT for two weeks in a row. There was a branding event down in Columbus, Ohio at Immortal Martial Arts Center. One of the uh best MMA gyms in all of Ohio and they're hosting a branding event there for a nonprofit organization it is called DB trained for uh D- Daniel Bruce or DJ as people call him it was just a great time I got to interview a lot of fighters got to really make that solid connection and thanks for fortune ohio are are on the up and up so if you haven't checked it out already i do encourage everybody listening if you're a fan of any combat sport or mma go check out fortune ohio wherever you get your podcast, appreciate you logan for asking that question just two more questions in this hot mic edition before we go to break a first time question asker i believe it's liam colo he says how do you feel about the new york rangers pushing for patrick kane I have no idea, Casey. You're our, <laughs> you're one of our two hockey experts up here. You and Pat Weber. Uh, I have no analysis when it comes to this question. I don't even know who Patrick Kane is. So, well, Patrick Kane help is help us. Yeah,
3: Patrick Kane is the star player for the Chicago Blackhawks. He was a huge part of the Chicago Blackhawks dynasty in the early 2010s when they won three Stanley Cups in six seasons. And the Blackhawks haven't been doing much as of late. So. I really needed Patrick Kane to get out of there, and I think the Rangers would definitely be a very good spot for Patrick Kane since they're on the up-and-up. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and that's definitely going to be a huge push for their
2: Stanley Cup run. I'm looking forward to it. Cass, you and Pat do a great job at your hockey talk sessions and getting down the stretch of the regular season, aren't you? Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, should be exciting. One last question in this week's edition of Hot Mike. It's Kelly Craig, and she asks, thoughts on the Paul versus Fury fights I'm not sure how much you guys can contribute to this but well, I am me out. I, I am have
1: no very <laughs> much so
2: looking forward to this boxing match today between Jake Paul and Tyson Fury if you're looking for a prediction here uh, I'm going Jake Paul by knockout yeah of course the so Cleveland well. kid by knockout people on the outside don't respect Jake Paul I respect no. Jake Paul Alex Henry knows we respect Jake Paul for everything he's done in the fight game. He's bringing energy back into the life of professional boxing. Also doing a lot for fighter pay in MMA. I'm very excited to see him knock out Tyson Fury today. And Tyson Fury, I mean, his opponents have an 0-69 record. Like, he's he's beaten nobody's so far in his career. He is not living up to the Fury name. I expect him to get knocked out. Today by the Cleveland kid Jake Paul and what should be a pretty fun contest, and it should be happening about three or four hours, I believe, from Saudi Arabia. And that'll do it for our hot mic segment on today's show. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed that. We're gonna head to break. When we come back, we're gonna transition to the NBA, talk about the All-Star game a little bit, and then we're gonna get into a fun game or or team tier list, a little game that we have planned for today. Also talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers team struggles as of late. All that more left in the last hour of today's show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Power Talk on 88.1 WZIP. What's going on everyone welcome back to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie of course you're tuning in to Sports Power Talk here live from the University of Akron my name is Jake Murn the host of your show today and today I'm joined by two great analysts as always first Dev Lucas hey what's up guys and second Casey Rush I know I'm not going to be rushing
3: anybody today, but I can't wait to talk about this All Star game. I got plenty to say about that.
2: Yeah, Casey, let's get right into it. We're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about the Cavs. We have a fun game planned for this segment as well. But we're going to kick it off with the All Star game, and I'll throw it right over to you, Casey. Mm -hmm. You know, Team Giannis beat Team LeBron 184 to 175, but it seems like you weren't too impressed. Well, honestly, I thought the game was pretty good in the first quarter, and then Team Giannis
3: pulled away. However, if you notice in the fourth quarter, Team LeBron had a, had the foundation of a comeback. He actually scored thirty six points, but then the twenty four point twist prevented any sort of comeback from happening. I hated, I hated that one. I absolutely hated it.
2: Yeah, it was a rough game to watch. I honestly, I'm not going to pretend that I watched the entire game. The MVP was Jason Tatum. He got uh, 55 points, Love six surf. assists, 10 rebounds. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys think of the live draft though? Because that was a big headline going into this. They were doing the street basketball rule set of going into it, drafting right before the game. What'd you guys think of that?
1: Yeah, I thought it was different. I uh, I liked it a lot. I just felt like it took, it made it feel more relaxed. Personally, I, I like that. Yeah,
3: yeah, that was definitely a very good addition with that live draft. I saw it as a throwback to grade school when you're picking your teams for a pickup game. One disadvantage of that twist is that you can't discuss game plans ahead of time with your team because yeah. you're basically stuck with them because you're basically, it's like a Cadbury cream egg. You don't know what you're biting in. You don't know what filling is in there until you bite into it. And this adds to the challenge to the captains
2: as they discuss strategy, and I thought it was pretty nice. Yeah, I just think the draft was too long. I mean, it had some funny moments in there, like Giannis trying to pick John Morant as a reserve when... (laughs) Grant was a starter. Like that was kind of funny. You know, Nikola, the Nikola Jokic scene was pretty funny when the last two picks were Jokic and Lowry Markinen, I believe, and Jokic just stood up and walked over to LeBron, not wanting to be the last pick when he thought <laughs> he thought he was the last pick. I, I think I understand that he thought he was. I know from experience yeah. you don't want to be the last pick. They always say best for last. I'm like, yeah, right. But they were drafting the starters second. Like they drafted the reserves first and I don't understand this idea of drafting the reserves first because you don't want to hurt yeah. people's feelings for being drafted last. No. You're an uh, NBA All-Star. Exactly. You're playing at the highest level possible. You've earned it. Why are you gonna feel a certain type of way if you're the last pick in the All Star game? I that's like you're about. you know how many people yeah. are sitting at their couches or going on vacation right. during the All Star game? Exactly. That play on the same team as you? Why I don't understand the feeling of these players and why they would feel any type of way for being picked last but it was a funny scene there with uh nikola jokic what do you guys think though like the 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 energy behind this game i think was lacking not many people really cared about it i didn't really care about it Uh, 3.2 million people viewed viewed the game which was actually down 32 percent from last year it's gonna get worse are there any ways to improve this nba all-star game
1: no, well, maybe yeah, if you consider this an improvement, but it's not really. I think they just do do away with the whole thing. Just <laughs> make it. Make, <laughs> I'm serious. It's making it a title. It's just It's the same conversation we had about the, the NFL Pro Bowl. It's just make it a title and just keep the events. Just that's all you do because it's no one tunes in to watch these things. It's just it's a title. You say you're an NBA All Star. That's that. Yeah, exactly. Just add some.
3: Exactly. Just maybe add like a trophy for the winning team for it. That's what the NFL does. And I watch a lot of international sports like Australia. Rugby does, has the state of origin where you have New South Wales players going up against Queensland players. They have a shield that they play for. Just add that. it would be absolutely amazing. it would be ab- absolutely amazing to do. And also get rid of that 24-point fourth quarter twist. That was absolutely useless. You didn't need that to force a comeback. Like LeBron can do that well enough with the timer. The MOB remains. And also go back to the East and West, East and West format yeah. back in the day. The M O B continues to do the American League versus the National League. That still draws in a crowd. Just go back to that. It will definitely be amazing. It will bring back a lot of your former viewers. Definitely.
1: I feel like defensively, though, there wasn't a lot of effort. Oh, yeah. I mean, these oh, players yeah. don't. It's and the All Star Game, what right? You and that's that's part of the reason why I think people aren't tuning in because it's not a lot of effort. And I understand it; like you don't want to get hurt because you're right well, around mid season form. If you get a serious injury in the All Star Game, you have a chance to miss the playoffs. Like it's something that matters like that. But I mean, it's just like it's hard for me to say don't do away with it. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah,
3: it's, yeah, especially with the injuries you mentioned with Giannis and LeBron both both getting injured mid game and then having to the sit out. That definitely took away. That definitely took away from a lot of the All-Star game, for sure.
2: Yeah, and it's when you know these players, they don't care about the game. Why should we, as viewers and consumers of that content, care about the game either? I agree with you, though, Casey. I was actually going to bring it up, too. I think making it East versus West could be interesting again. Oh, yeah. And then I think they should also keep the emphasis on playing for charities. I think that's a great touch they've included in the past couple of years. But I just don't know what else they can do to make this game uh, viewable, really make people care about it and make people want to watch it every single year it is nice to see these players play all together and see the different combinations like you know Kyrie Irving and LeBron James were on the same team uh er- Ernie said Cleveland this is for you when he drafted Kyrie. So like there are certain things like that yeah. that are entertaining but really I just don't think many people get up uh to watch the all-star game every single year one other thing I wanted to talk about in regards to the NBA before we talk about the team tier list and the game we want to get into is russell westbrook and the new addition for the los angeles clippers westbrook he was waived by the jazz and after clearing waivers he joined kawhi leonard and paul george with the clippers he was quoted saying that he now feels like he's around players and coaches that want him to be there now that's a good feeling this is the fifth team he's played for in his career my question to you guys is what does this do for the clippers and is this finally a destination for Westbrook to succeed in?
1: I mean, it'd be nice to see the Westbrook that was on the Thunder way back then. Oh, but, yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it didn't surprise me that they that he's on the Clippers now. I think that's... I mean, we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely good to see West, Russell Westbrook.
3: Sorry, Westbrook. He definitely found a new home with the Clippers. He actually did solid in his Clippers debut with seven, 17 points, 14 assists, and that 176-175 double overtime loss to the Kings. We mentioned that earlier. If you just ignore his seven turnovers, you should be okay. The Clippers have just been a turnover bakery in Crypto.com Arena these last couple months. Yeah, I'd be more concerned if the turnovers were anything, but Russell Westbrook is definitely a good fit for the Clippers.
2: Yeah, and it was seven turnovers in his first game with a new team. So you can't really consider that and put a lot of weight on that stat yeah. that he had seven turnovers. He's still figuring things out. He's still figuring yeah. out the scheme that they have there in LA for the Clippers. And I really like this fit for Russell Westbrook. I really like this fit with the Clippers. I think the the trio of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook will work really well in the West right now where you know the, the Nuggets are kind of running away with the division right now, or with the conference. Yeah. But everybody else is kind of you know, contenders there in the West. And we'll talk about that very soon. I really like the Clippers and what they're doing right now. And I know in the past on these airwaves, I bashed Russell Westbrook, calling him Russell Westbrook, saying that he can't play with another All-Star. He is too selfish of of a player, a ball handler. But I think this could work, especially if he takes a seat or a step back and really plays that complimentary role alongside Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which is what we saw in that first game when he scored 17 points and had 14 assists as well. We'll leave that there, though. Let's get into a little game that I had planned for today, and this is a team tier list. This was inspired by Kirk Goldsberry of ESPN, and the, the one rule is really that you can have as many teams as you want per tier, and this is how it's going to work. So we have Tier 1, which is title contenders. We have tier two, which are teams that are close to being title contenders, and then we have tier three, which are the long shots for the NBA title this year. We're going to start with the first tier. We're going to start with title contenders. Can have as many teams per tier as you want, Casey. I'll go to you first. What is your first tier? in this team tier list. Well, I have
3: six title contenders. Obviously, you got the Celtics, you got the Bucks, you got the Sixers. And I got the Nuggets, Suns, and Grizzlies as the title contenders cuz especially with the Suns, they got Kevin Durant, and they need for like absolutely nothing. They kept Devin Booker, they got they kept Chris Paul, they kept all those they kept Jay Crowder. They kept all those guys. It, the Suns are definitely going to be very very dangerous. I could
2: definitely see that happening. Yeah,
1: so I have Denver, Boston, and Milwaukee as my top contenders.
2: Well, only three teams.
1: Uh I I don't know. I'm I'm thinking Denver's gonna run away with the West personally, and then that's kind of where I'm looking at it.
2: Mm. All right, fair enough. So for me, you know, when it came to this first tier, the, the the top shelf, if you will, of title contenders this year in the NBA, I thought to myself NBA Finals, who's who's hoisting that trophy? Who could I see as the NBA Finals and the NBA champion at the end of this year? So I actually have six teams here in my first tier because I could see any of these teams realistically winning the NBA Finals this year. First, the Boston Celtics, of course. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have the best record in the entire league, and they could very well find themselves back in the Finals this year. Second, I have the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis, you know, he can lead his team to another NBA title, but he'll have to do so uh, through a gauntlet of Eastern Conference teams. Then I have the Philadelphia 76ers, 76ers, and this might come as a surprise to many people, but I said the 76ers were winning the East in the regular season before it started, and I'm still sticking with this team and their chances to potentially win it all this year with Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and company. Then I have the Los Angeles Clippers, and people might call me out for this one, but I could actually see the Clippers wing it all this year. I mentioned how I like the trio of Kawhi, PG-13, and Westbrook. Their bench could use some help in the future, but I could see them making a run in the Western Conference playoffs. And then lastly, I have the Golden State Warriors. It pains me to say this, but Uh. any single year, I could see Steph Curry with that NBA Finals trophy in his hand. He's out right now. They're slipping in the Western Conference. I believe they're ninth in the Western Conference right now. But Clay Thompson, he's making records for three-pointers made per game. And once Steph comes back, this is absolutely a team that could repeat as NBA champs. So I have Warriors, Clippers, 76ers, Bucks, and Celtics as title contenders. Any thoughts on my list, guys?
1: I disagree about the Warriors. I have them all the way down, but we'll talk about that yeah, a bit. when Steph down? when Steph comes I, back. I,
3: I when Steph comes I, back I at least have out. them in the middle. Come on, and, right. and the Warriors are actually in seventh, which still isn't okay, good fair for enough. my fair still isn't good for my self esteem. I don't see. I don't want to see the Warriors in it again.
2: See, I think the Warriors are actually more so title contenders than two other teams I have in this tier, no. which are the Clippers and the Seventy Sixers. I thought you guys were going to more so call me out for that one. Because I know the Clippers, they're still kind of unproven with Russell Westbrook. But I do like that trio. I like what they can do uh-huh. in the Western Conference. The 76ers, I've been high on them all season, especially preseason as well. And the Warriors, I think they got they got a good chance as well. So second tier, let's get into the second tier. Uh, these are teams that are close to being title contenders. They could be NBA champions this year, but they're just not quite to the level of the first tier, the top shelf of teams we just mentioned. Uh, Dev, I'll start with you this time.
1: Yeah, so my first team in the second tier is the Cavs. I talk about this every Thursday night That I don't think anyone wants to play this team in a best of seven. They're just so no. resilient. They're they're always in games. And I think in a best of seven situation, I can see the Cavs winning four games almost every time just because of how close the games are and how they stay in these games. So Cavs are my first one. I got the 76ers, the Kings, the Grizzlies, the Clip- and the Clippers. Yeah, I definitely yeah, I can go on
3: I can go on and on with my close to title contenders tier. So I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go rapid fire throughout my teams. I got the Cavs, Nets, Knicks, Heat, Hawks, Raptors, Wizards, Kings, Clippers, Mavericks, Warriors, T Wolves, Jazz, Pelicans, and Thunder. The Cavs wow. are yeah, the Cavs are definitely a very dangerous team. but we are so inconsistent as of late. If we can keep the consistency up it's definitely we're definitely gonna go far. And the Clippers, of course, you mentioned the trio of Westbrook, PG thirteen, and Kawhi Leonard, you did Jake, but the turnovers are definitely a huge concern right now for the Clippers. If they can keep it down to a minimum, I could definitely see them going far. And especially the Thunder. The Thunder are definitely a very, very exciting team. With Giles Gildris Alexander going. Hmm. Gildress Alexander, if you give him another star. The Thunder could definitely very go far next year. I could totally see it.
2: Yeah, maybe next year, but with the 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 tier list being this year, I don't know about like the Nets, the Knicks, the Hawks, the I mean the Thunder, the Jazz even. I don't know about those teams. I'd maybe make them yeah, the, long shots, but yeah, the
3: Nets? Yeah, the Nets have definitely gotten rid of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they definitely slipped down a they, little bit. They have
2: imploded, haven't they?
3: Yes, they have.
2: Just one team that you almost feel bad for their fan base, but You can't feel bad for their organization because they put themselves in that type of position. My second tier, first out of the Phoenix Suns, they'll definitely be a contender soon once Kevin Durant comes back. And I'd be willing to bet that a team with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Kevin Durant would work. But crazier things have happened. We just talked about the Nets. That was a crazy situation with that big three. But I do like what the Suns have brewing in Phoenix. Then I have the Cleveland Cavaliers as a close Uh, a team to becoming a title contender this year they are very inconsistent but when it comes to a seven game series like you said dev i like their chances against some of the better teams in the east but they're just not quite at that level of being a title contender just yet i have the denver nuggets in this second tier as well right now i just like the clippers warriors uh to just come out of the west more than the nuggets right now And then I have the Dallas Mavericks as well in my second tier. We're still seeing how Luka and Kyrie are going to play together. The Mavs risked a lot in trying to win a championship this year, and I could see the Mavs getting close but not quite reaching the NBA Finals this year. Time for the third tier, the long shots, teams that (laughs) they might be playoff teams, but their chances in the playoffs aren't the greatest.
1: Well, if Logan's tuning in, he's going to hate me for this.
2: But Do it. Uh, yes. Do it. Do Miami Heat. Do you go. have the Miami Heat as well as a long shot, Casey? Please tell me you do. Uh, unfortunately, I did have them in the
3: close but no cigar Casey. tier,
2: but, but I can changing. definitely put
3: them in the third tier as well. Yeah. I could definitely put them in third tier. All right, tier. make the
2: executive decision right now, Casey. Are the Miami Heat a second tier? Or a third tier team? They are a third tier. Case closed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank All you. Right. That's what we like to hear because the Miami Heat are also a third team tier for me, or third tier team for me. Love to hear it. Love to hear the Miami Heat slander. Um, no heat culture on today's talk, no. uh, Sports Power talk, but we,
3: we've some done with that slander. these last two
1: weeks. We don't need that. Yeah, yeah. yeah some good old slander for the Miami Heat.
2: Uh, Dev, continue though with your third right. tier. So
1: I got, I got the Nets the third tier. Getting rid of Kyrie and uh, Durant, I think that's going to hurt them a lot personally. The Warriors, and I have the Mavericks, actually.
2: Ooh, interesting. Whoa, yeah, Those are Mavericks two teams I are... have way higher in my list. Yeah. What I... do you think, Dov? Uh, I... Or Casey, oh, I was going to say,
3: t- say, <laughs> say, he already talked. <laughs> so I call this the tank division. I call this last year the tank division. I got the Bulls. I got the Pacers. I got the Magic. I got the Hornets. I got the Pistons. got the Trailblazers. got the Lakers. got the Spurs. And I have the Rockets, of course. The Trailblazers, you're wasting Damian Lillard. Please put them to a contender real, real soon. And the Lakers, you're mostly going to be known for LeBron breaking out all time, scoring record, and that's about it. And the Magic, I keep hearing a lot of Orlando fans saying, "Oh, we're going to be contenders. We're going to be contenders." Uh, right now, you haven't seen much. Of, right now, I haven't seen much of you guys. So until you end up making it to the playoffs and win four games, I might talk about you.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'd put a lot of those teams in, like, a fourth tier if we were doing that. But Uh, in my third tier, I have the Memphis Grizzlies here. They're second in the West. But come the playoffs, I think they're actually, like, the fifth best team in the Western Conference at best. Yeah. Second out of the Miami Heat. That's understandable. Don't want to even talk about them. Their biggest splash they made was signing Kevin Love after he was bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kevin Love scored zero points in his first start with Miami Heat. And... I just can't wait to hear Logan Congrove cry on these airways but, more and more about how but some they people, need to get Jimmy help. But some people in WZIP think they're going to be the NBA champions. Some people Ooh. in WZIP think that they're going to play the Sacramento <laughs> Kings in the NBA finals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people, yeah. So the Miami Heat are also in my third tier. And then another team in my third tier are the aforementioned Sacramento Kings. I think they're uh, a 13th <laughs> tier as well. They play well. They play well. They're a great group of young guys, but when it comes to playoff time, I don't see them getting past the first round against a potential juggernaut team in the Western Conference. So the two teams that Logan Congrove has in the NBA Finals as their team, yeah, I can see the Kings. Guys. Yeah, I can see the Kings finishing
3: in the top six in the West, but I think just a little bit more experience and they're going to be exactly to be feared.
2: They're kind of like the Cavs last year. A lot of hope. Maybe the Kings won't crumble down the stretch as the Cavs did last year, but I just don't think the Kings have what it takes really to get anywhere close to the Western Conference Finals, yet alone the NBA Finals this year. I don't know what Logan Congrove is thinking when it comes to that (laughs) prediction. But, hey, one thing I do respect about Logan Congrove, he's sticking with it. Yes. Nothing is deterring him from getting on these airwaves most Sundays and saying, hey, Heat, Kings, NBA Finals, respect them for it. (laughs) It's still very, very silly, and I don't understand it at all. That'll do it for our, our team tier list. Hopefully you all enjoyed that little game we played there. Uh, before we go to break, let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and their recent struggles on a three-game losing streak right now. They lost 115-109 to 109 to the Nuggets on Thursday. The Nuggets, the best team in the Western Conference, at least record-wise. So a great game, but Cavs Twitter afterwards were just going off on Donovan Mitchell for the loss. Mitchell went, uh, he had 22 points, 9 for 22 shooting. People saying that he's stunted Mobley's growth. People saying that he should have never made the trade and should have kept Lowry marketing. What would you guys think of the Nuggets game? And do you sympathize with uh, Cavs fans out there that think but Mitchell should have come to Cleveland in the first place.
1: Well, the Cavs started slow, but this turned out to be an amazing game. I think it was yeah. re- really entertaining to watch. Cavaliers uh, obviously lost by six, it was one fifteen to one hundred nine. And Evan Mobley had thirty one. Mitchell and Garland had over twenty. And I think the Cavs really did play like a playoff contender in they that did. game. And they played like any like they played like a team that could make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe the Finals. I mean, if that's the best of seven, I mean, I'm just saying it looked good. Yeah, especially against the Nuggets, who are definitely on top of the West and might
3: run away with it. This was yet another case where the Cavs played well, but they couldn't stop one guy, and that's Jokic. He had a triple-double, 24 points, 18 rebounds, 13 assists. All five starting Nuggets start ended up in double figures. We were getting out-rebounded. We couldn't take advantage of the turnovers, but we were absolutely ice-cold from three. We could not shoot the three very, very well. Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Spider, Jared Allen can only do so much. They can only do they can only do a lot for this team.
2: Yeah, it was a very entertaining game, and I guess I sympathize with fans out there, but I'm not here to talk about Donovan Mitchell should not have come to Cleveland. We should have made no. the trade. I don't understand that. We come saw on. what Lowry Markkinen looked like with this Cavs team last year. Mm-hmm. We saw what that looked like. Yeah. So why are we trying to bring him back this year in exchange for Donovan Mitchell, saying the trade That's should right. have never happened? And Donovan Mitchell... He's an NBA all-star. He's a starter. He's having the best year of his career. Mm -hmm. People tend to forget his 70-plus point game against the Bulls not that long ago. So we're fine. We're in a skid right now. Let's not go after the position of Donovan Mitchell right now.
3: Yeah, I and you especially mentioned that beef with Evan Mobley. Mitchell did something that people hardly do in this day and age, take responsibility for his actions. He did say during that fourth quarter he should have gave Evan Mobley the ball more. Yeah, he had zero points. He, yeah, he had zero points despite scoring thirty one this mm-hmm. whole despite scoring thirty one the whole game. Of course the Nuggets didn't make it easier to give Evan Mobley the ball and I personally don't blame him. They were just tort he was they were just being torched by him for three quarters. So hopefully hopefully Donovan Mitchell can own up to his mistakes and he's definitely getting embarrassed the season winds down. The Cavs fans seriously need to stop crying because I thought Donovan Mitchell was
2: an absolute grab.
1: Yeah, I'd have yeah. to agree with that.
2: Yeah, I agree with you guys on that end. Now to talk about this Hawks game on Friday, <sighs> and I don't even know if we really want to dig into it too much. The know. the Cavs ended up losing one thirty six to one nineteen. They were down eighty one to fifty seven at halftime, and the rest was history. I'll ask you guys not for an analysis, not for a breakdown of the game. But instead, I want a one-word adjective to describe this Cavs game against the Atlanta Hawks on Friday. What is that one-word adjective, I'm assuming? And, you know, appropriate for on-air radio, what's your one-word adjective?
1: Frustrating.
2: Implosion. Fair. I'd say disgusting. (laughs) I mean, all three words are fair (laughs) and fitting for this game. Yeah, the Cavs were extremely... Yeah, the Cavs were extremely... They played even worse than they did against the Nuggets. I yeah. don't understand that. Just sluggish out of the gate, and now the Cavs' Twitter is going after J. V. Bickerstaff in his position right now. So we'll see what happens with the Cavs uh, this coming week. They're now 38-25, fourth in the Eastern Conference. They do play tonight against the Toronto Raptors. In Toronto, they're 3-0 and 0 against the Cavs this season. They have the Cavs' number, but the Cavs are a more talented team, on paper at least, than Toronto. What do you guys see happening tonight?
1: I think that they'll beat Toronto. That's what I think is going to happen. If we
3: end up, if we end up getting swept by the Raptors, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna pop three pills of ibuprofen after after <laughs> watching that game because every every juggernaut is going to struggle against one bad team, and unfortunately, that team for us is the Raptors. I can I can definitely see us winning this, but I don't know. It, it's
2: always I don't know. It might be destiny to get swept by the Raptors. Who knows? <laughs> I'd like to think that the the Cavs can right the ship and and beat the Raptors. And the last time they'll play each other this season, they're three and zero against them, or they're zero and three against them. <laughs> oh. I do think the Cavs can can pick up the win tonight. And then it's at uh, Boston on Wednesday, and then home on Saturday against the Pistons. We're two and zero against Boston in overtime. Both of those games won in overtime and then when it comes to the pistons the pistons cleveland is 3 and 0 against them this year with the closest game decided by 8 points uh, quick thoughts on those two games before we head into break.
1: Yeah, I originally had the Cavs beating the Celtics, but looking ahead of the schedule, I know yeah. they, they they play them like two, after the Detroit game. Yep. So I think I'm going to give the Celtics the win, and, the, and that's my prediction. Yeah,
3: I don't think we stand a chance against the Celtics, especially at
1: TD Garden, and especially
3: with Jason Tatum having that All Star performance. I just don't see the. Cel- I just don't see us beating the Celtics, and but I do see us beating the Pistons, though. I do see us.
1: The yeah, I have us in the Pistons as well.
2: Yeah, I think the Pistons is as close as a guaranteed win as it comes in the NBA. Against the Celtics, I mean, we played well against them this year. I think it's going to be a close game, but with it being on the road, and we saw what the Celtics did last night to the Philadelphia 76ers, who are a, a title contender in my eyes at least. I think the Celtics yeah. are going to win that game, but it will be very close in the garden a very entertaining contest if you will there for the Cavs and hopefully they can just pick up a win tonight and go from there and get off this three game losing skit that they're on right now that'll do it for our NBA talk and our Cleveland Cavaliers discussion as well when we come back Dev I gotta ask you this question before we go to break on a scale of one to ten how excited are you to talk about baseball ten I've
1: been waiting since ALDS game five, waiting for the season. I've been waiting.
2: Oh, I am too, Dev. I'm a 10 out of 10 as well. We'll I was get in the into whole it. spring training game. Oh, yeah. Put me <laughs> at 11, dude. Put oh, me yeah. at 11. It's going to be very, very exciting. You're not going to want to go anywhere. We'll break down the Guardians and what they're looking at doing this season. We'll also do some power rankings for the MLB as well. Don't go anywhere. You won't want to miss it. It happens next right here on 88.1 WZIP. It's Sports Power Talk. everyone and welcome back in to the final segment of today's sports power talk the best sports talk show there is was and ever will be my name is jake Murn, the host of your show today and today i am joined by dev lucas what's up i'm ready to
1: talk some baseball
2: oh yeah i am so ready dev as well and i'm also joined by casey rush the four most beautiful words in the english language pitchers and catchers report baby i could not agree more Could not agree more, guys. And we were so excited for this segment that we were even talking about it during break. Just talking about the sport of baseball and how excited we are for it to finally be back. Of course, spring training starting this past weekend. And we're just about a month away from opening day. Another beautiful word out there in the world of sports. We're going to do some MLB power rankings here very soon. We're going to rank the top 10 teams in all of baseball in order but first, I do want to talk about the Cleveland Guardians and really what to look out for this year as they start the 2023 campaign. And first, you know, I asked you guys to come up with three keys for the Guardians to repeat as AL Central champions. What are things that this team needs to to work well to repeat as AL Central champions? Give me one key to start off. Casey, I'll start with you. Well, well. One thing we need to
3: look at is tweaks in the batting lineup. We got Josh Bell in the off season. That's a good start. Now we need to build around him. We need to look at what combos hit well and what combos go silent. That's one thing we need to focus on. And another thing is starting pitching. The pitching is only as good as its weakest link. Zach Plesac had a terrible outing last year. He only won three games. Obviously, the guards see something in him, so they kept him this off season. So what he does with the second chance is going to be the question. I really hope he bounces back. And the final thing I have is to focus on the problems at first base. Owen Miller is gone. He's heading to the Brewers. So I I was kinda uh about it because he didn't do much for us, but he was a decent hitter, but and Gabriel Arias did fine in the postseason on defense, but His bat was one of the quietest on the roster. I hope he gets better. Now, Josh Naylor should be able to fill that spot. He is an excellent hitter. He had 20 home runs last year. Yes, he is. Joshua Douglas James Naylor.
2: Yes.
3: (laughs) Now, the question is, will the guards move him up
1: full-time is the question. I really hope he fits in that lineup. Well, I wonder if the reason why he he wasn't full-time last year is because he was coming back from the injury.
2: Yeah, I think it was. And, you know, there were things throughout the year I know his. His ankle was hurting him down the stretch as yeah. well going into the postseason. There were some lingering injuries throughout the season last year. And something that, I don't know, was said to a reporter during spring training. But this offseason was a, an offseason where Josh Naylor was actually able to prepare for a regular season of MLB play. Mm-hmm. Last offseason, Josh Naylor was in rehab. To play for an MLB season. So he's actually preparing. He feels in the best shape he's been in a long time. I really expect him to play very, very well. Of course, he's my favorite player on the Cleveland Guardians. That's why I know his full name. Joshua Douglas, James Naylor. Um, <laughs> Dev, I'll go to you. Your three keys for the Guardians to repeat as AL Central champions in the year 2023.
1: All right. So I have, first off, no sophomore slumps. I think all the young guys who performed very well last year need to be equal to, if not better, than last year. And I, I'm hoping for better because I want them to do like go farther than being the last division winner, having more than... I don't want to play a wild card team in the AL no. <laughs> no. wild card, and I want them to be better. And I want a World Series run, quite frankly. Okay, so second one is stay healthy. Obviously, that one's uh one that you they want to stay healthy. If they're not Absolutely. if they're not healthy, you could be potentially bringing the White Sox and the Twins right back into the conversation for the AL Central. Yeah, and that's something I don't want. Um, and then the back end of the bullpen needs to remain do- dominant. You need Class A to look good. I know he had a little bit of hiccups last year, but he's got to be just as dominant as last season.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, Dev, great minds think alike. My first key, the same as your first key, not in a sophomore slump, but really just progression from last year's breakout rookies, especially Steven Kwan and Oscar Gonzalez. The Guardians lineup and brand of baseball. Their brand of baseball, unlike all other teams out there, will continue to shine if they get production from Kwan in the leadoff spot and Mm -hmm. Gonzalez to clean up the work out of Ramirez, Bell, and Naylor. In the lineup this season, and you know we saw it out of Kwan yesterday in spring training. The first at bat, he gets a single right up the middle. His second at bat, another single right up the middle. I think, especially with the ban of the shifts, Stephen Kwan is going to have a lot of hits up the middle, a lot of singles. He's fast as well in the oh, base yeah. on the base pass, and I just really see Stephen Kwan progressing even more. Hopefully, Oscar Gonzalez can bring the power this season that he had last year as well. My second key for the Guardians to repeat as AL Central champions is the health in the starting pitching. Zach Plesak, Aaron Savali. These are the two names that a lot of people are looking at right now. It (laughs) seems like Shane Bieber, uh, Tristan McKenzie, and Cal Quantra are locks right now. I think Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali pick up that fourth and fifth slot, but they just need to stay healthy.
1: What What about Cody Morris? He was really great last year, and Plesak's had his struggles. I, It's hard for me to say that he's not a starter. I don't know why I don't know why Plesak could be a starter and not Morris, personally.
2: I think the Guardians are still holding out hope that Zach Plesak can return to his old form before he was injured. And even last year when he started the season, of course it was a rough start. Uh, Casey, yeah. how many wins did he have last season, you said? It was three or four? Yeah, it was three wins last right. year. He had a terrible 2022 campaign in a year that the Guardians were very successful in. No doubt about it. Cody Morris, he came in, and he was efficient. He was good when – I remember we had Brian Shaw starting games for us because our health, our uh. starting pitching and our health was just not there for us down the stretch of last season. I think you need Zach Plisak to return to old form. And same with Aaron Savali. Like, last yeah. year, they weren't even – like, they started slow, definitely – but then injuries piled up, and they could never really return to their old form. And I think when Zach Pleissack was actually healthy, he was a lot he was better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. So I do expect, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Pleissack and Savali to bounce back, and hopefully we get healthy years out of them so that they can actually show that they are making progress as well. And if you know they're just reliable fourth and fifth guys in our starting, or, or, in our rotation, like that's all we need. You know, we don't need these players to pitch like Tristan McKenzie, like Shane Bieber, we need them to be reliable and solid four and five guys in that rotation. We really had like
1: seven last year. We had Connor Pilkington and Cody Mm -hmm. Morris, who really seemed like they were...
2: I don't know. Connor Pilkington had some rough outings. Yeah, he did. He was very hit or miss. He He was either great for six innings or he was terrible for four innings. That's yep. kind of the perception I got. Out. You had, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, kind of especially it. with an ERA close to four, he had three point eight eight ERA. Yeah, he, and he went one. He went one for three in his starts, and hopefully, Pilkington can definitely develop because this organization knows how to develop pitching.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. If any organization knows how to develop young starting pitchers, it's the Cleveland Guardians organization. We've Absolutely. done it for years. Well,
1: the Absolutely. other thing you have to remember with. Uh, with Pilkington just think about Tristan McKenzie he was terrible the year before last and he was like I think his ERA was over six comes back and he's almost like an ace to us right just saying
2: yeah I mean McKenzie's biggest issue is walks
1: yeah
2: when he lets runners on the base pass on a free pass then he gives up grand slams he's done that before and That's really his biggest issue, but he also racks up a lot of strikeouts. It's going to be interesting to monitor this rotation throughout the year, and we'll see if Connor Pilkington and Cody Morris do get some playing time. Eventually, you would expect they will because starting pitching rarely stays healthy for any team in the MLB, yet alone the Guardians, especially the past couple of years. We're constantly going through injuries, so I would expect Pilkington and Morris to get their fair share of starts this year, but I do want to see some progression out of Plesak and Savali my third key or for, my third key uh, for the Guardians to repeat as AL Central champions they got to figure out the catching situation oh. they of course let Austin hedges go they brought in Mike Zuzino. his stats i mean his batting average in his career is 200 not great at all last year it was 148 with five home runs and 16 RBIs we also have Bo Naylor he's developing right now he had eight at-bats last season. Not a big sample size to work with at all. He didn't get a hit in his eight at-bats. He also struck out five times. Hmm. The yeah. catcher's likely going to hit eighth or ninth in every single game, but let's at least develop Naylor if that's yeah. the long-term plan. Or, who knows, maybe Zuzino can turn back the clock and play like an all-star like he did in 2021 with a raise. This is just another situation with this guards team that I'm going to be monitoring. Like, all year round from the very beginning. I'm a Josh Naylor fan. That makes me a Bo Naylor fan. But who knows? Maybe maybe Mike's the answer. What do you think, Dev?
1: Well, going back, like, the last few years, like, mm. even back to, like, when we still had Roberto Perez on the team, it seems like the catcher position has almost been, I hate saying this, but, like, an automatic out to an extent. No, you're like, 100% they, right. I mean, no, like, are. yeah, they get, like, they do okay. Like, look at a single every once in a while, but it's, like, one in every, like, 15 at-bats. Yeah. So it's, like... And I feel like that's what's gonna happen this time around, unless Naylor, I mean, we'll see. We don't we're not a big enough sample size, so
2: I mean maybe he's great. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. No, that's a great point, Dev. And how many times last year, especially, like, you look at the bottom half of our lineup and you saw Austin Hedges batting eighth, and you saw Miles Straw batting ninth. And you just knew that those were two automatic outs. I know Miles Straw he's a very I don't know, he gets in hot streaks and he gets in cold streaks. Mm -hmm. He's in cold streaks more often than he's in his hot streaks. But there were times last season where it's like, okay, yeah, Hedges is at bat, don't even have to watch it to know what happens. Okay, yeah, (laughs) Straw's at bat, don't even have to watch it to know what happens. So hopefully that situation can get fixed this year. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really what I'm looking at. So those are our collective nine keys total for the guards to repeat as AL Central champions. I also wanted to ask you guys, you know, looking at the awards this year and, you know, we're not going to do award predictions on this show. We will do it in a couple of weeks leading up to the start of the regular season. But do you guys think a Cleveland Guardian can win a major award this year. So that would be, you know, Jose Ramirez for AL MVP, Shane Bieber for AL Cy Young, maybe Terry Francona gets AL Manager of the Year again. What do you guys think? Does a, does the a Guardian get a major award?
1: Yeah, okay. So I, uh, I'm hoping for Jose Ramirez. He's always in the conversation, but he's never, he's never like won it, it seems. So I'm hoping Jose Ramirez can do it. Uh, I would like to see Shane Bieber as the Cy Young, but... Uh, it just comes down to how healthy he is and how much he can give every single night. And then Tito as manager of the year. Yeah, he-
3: obviously Terry Francona is the most obvious suspect for repeat winner of manager of the year in the AL. He led the youngest team in all baseball to the postseason last year. And now he has even more talent with Josh Bell added to the lineup. He has the puzzle almost solved. And if he can lead this team to another deep run in the playoffs and not and avoid that sophomore slump, we're gonna, this Guardians team's going to be in very greener pastures. I'm excited.
2: I like the optimism. I just don't know what what is it going to take for Terry Francona to repeat as AL Manager of the Year, right? So, like, if they yeah. win the AL Central again, but there's also other managers that might break out onto the scene as well. Yeah. There's other young teams out there that if they get a decent record, they might get favored over Tito, who won it last year. So what is it, it going to take? For him to w- uh, win the Manager of the Year again.
1: Well, I would say that I think the Guardians are going to run away with the Central. Maybe not right away, but I think it's going to be okay. a. Well, I think it's going to be bigger because I don't. I don't see the Twins and White Sox competing as much as the Guardians. I think the Guardians might be able to slide in as a third seed potentially instead of the fourth like they were, and that might be enough. Actually, the Guardians were the number three I
2: seed last.
3: No, no, you have no. The MLB has the divisions. As the division winners from seats one through three. Okay. That's how we ended up in that third spot. Well, then maybe
1: second then in that case. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, Which hopefully, would be tough
2: because then you, know, you have the Astros and Yankees there. We would have to have a better record than one of those two teams. Oh, yeah. And, the Astros, yeah, and the Astros and
3: the Yankees are definitely getting a lot more dangerous. It's With the AL, it's the Astros, the Yankees, and us, and that's it, basically. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that they are, and I'm sure... All three of those teams are going to come up in our MLB Power Rankings here very shortly. My prediction, though, I don't think a Guardian wins a major award this year, but I do think that all three of the names that I mentioned will be considered. They'll be in the top three, if you will, uh, but I don't see any of them actually winning a major award this season. One last question as it pertains to the Cleveland Guardians so far. One player on the Guardians that you're keeping an eye on early in the season with one stipulation. It can't be Jose Ramirez, because we're all going to be watching the go. We're all going to be watching Jose Ramirez as he starts today in spring training, but also when he's when we start the twenty twenty three regular season. So other than Jose Ramirez, what's one player early on in the season that you're excited to watch, you're keeping an eye on, and you want to see some early production out of?
1: I'm looking at Oscar Spongebob Gonzalez. It's yeah. a great pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last season, he looked a lot like Michael Brantley when he was on, the, uh, I guess, the Guardians. But hmm. I just think he's going to come out and be even better than last season. And that walk-off home run in the wild card. Yeah. Oh, that was glorious. That was amazing. Even the
2: walk-off against the Yankees, too. Yeah. I mean, he was clutch for us in the so, postseason.
1: I think he's going to come out even better than last season. Yeah,
2: yeah, I love that pick. I He was my second pick. I have another player for this. But mm-hmm. he was my second pick. I love Oscar Gonzalez. And I really like the Yasiel Puig. Comparison with him, he's not as hot-headed, but Mm -hmm. I just think you know body frame is very similar, style plays very similar. I do think if he progresses this year in his sophomore year, he's going to be a future you know star on this Guardians team. Uh, Casey, who are you looking out for early on in the year?
3: I already mentioned this player. I already mentioned this player earlier. It's Josh Naylor. Once again, the breakout year. Josh with Douglas
2: James Naylor. Yes,
3: thanks for (laughs) correcting me. Twenty home runs, seventy-nine RBIs. And he's definitely gonna be promoted to full time first baseman. Can he keep this momentum up? Only time will tell. I cannot wait to watch Josh Naylor ball out. I'd want to see it happen.
2: Yeah, I can't wait either, Casey and you know, that, that's just music to my ears over here as a Josh Naylor fan, and that's not the player I'm keeping an eye on early in the season. I'm actually keeping an eye on the player that might share time with Josh Naylor at first base, actually. I'm he- I'm keeping an eye on Josh Bell, of course, the newly acquired mm-hmm. uh, player from the Guardians. His career batting average is .262. Last season, it was .266 with 17 uh-huh. home runs, 71 RBIs, and 81 walks. He's a power hitter. He's a slugger. He's a switch hitter. It's well known that he excels in the beginning of seasons, too. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm really keeping an eye on him early on in the season to see that production early on. And I can't wait to see how he performs in this lineup close to Jose Ramirez. I would expect Ramirez to bat third, Josh Bell to bat fourth. But maybe, you know, they put Josh Bell third. What do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I think it'd be Ramirez third, Josh Bell fourth. I would put either Naylor or Gonzalez
2: as five. Yeah, but that's yeah, definitely. Man. Isn't that great to debate about that would though? Be awesome, because we're talking about this. But you think about how deep our lineup is. Then, like, mm-hmm. Jose Ramirez at three, Josh Bell at four, Josh Naylor at five, Oscar Gonzalez at six. Yeah, that's great. Uh. And you have seven, eight, nine. Mike Zuzino's is going to be one of those spots. Those that's going to be a really key part of the lineup to look at. But then you have. Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez batting first and second. Like, that's a good lineup to have, guys. It's really yeah, good to I'm have.
3: really salivating at the mouth just hearing that potential lineup. <laughs> it's awesome.
2: Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Miles Straw returns to how we saw him, not last year, but the year before that, which kind of was a reliable hitter. Well, actually, I totally dropped the ball in that. Quan would be our leadoff hitter. Then it would be probably Ahmed Rosario. And then Andres Jimenez would bat after Oscar Gonzalez. So he would bat yeah. like seventh. Yeah. yeah, it's it's insane. It would be an insane lineup, and I'm very excited for Guardians baseball to start here very soon. And I'm excited for today's spring training game as well, as a lot of the stars are playing in today's game. And Zach Plesak's starting as well. I could talk about the Guardians all day, but it's time for us to move on. Only a couple minutes left in today's show. Let's get into our MLB power rankings. We have 10. It's a very long list. We'll start at number 10, work our way up. 10th best team in baseball. Casey, Go. I have the Toronto Blue Jays.
3: They won. They actually made it to the playoffs. And despite blowing that 8-1 lead, I think they still have a very talented team. It's
2: going to be awesome to watch them play.
1: Yeah, I got the Mariners as my number 10.
2: All right. I have the Mariners outside of my top 10. I have the Cleveland Guardians here at number 10. Oh, they play their brand of baseball. I think they are a top 10 team in the MLB. I just have them have them at number 10. I've seen lists With them at number 12, I've seen lists with them at number 8. I think they're in that range. I have them here at number 10. Number 9, who do you guys like? At number 9, I do have the Mariners. They made it to the playoffs for
3: the first time in 21 years last year. And with Julio, hold on a second, with Julio Rodriguez, the AL Mm -hmm. Rookie of the Year last year, it's definitely going to be a dangerous team up in Seattle.
2: Yeah, that's a sophomore season I'm really looking forward to. J-Rod, see if he really is that star that he was in his rookie year. Ninth best team in the MLB, Dev. I have the Rays. The Rays, okay. They're outside of my top ten as well. I like the LA Angels right here at number nine. Call me crazy, but they added veterans Brandon Drury and Gio Rochella and Hunter Renfro. They will have to hope that Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani can stay healthy for the majority of the year. They're still unproven from a starting pitching standpoint. But this is the best lineup that the Angels have put together with Mike Trout in a very, very long time. They're my ninth best team. We're at number eight now. Uh, Dev, take it away.
1: I got the Phillies. All right.
3: Uh, Call me crazy, but I have the Mets at number eight. I am calling you crazy. Why do you have the Mets that low? Well, there's listen there's a lot of people that have the Mets in the top five obviously obviously I follow a lot of memes and there's a phrase common there's a common phrase out there and that's low Mets it's like are they gonna it's like are they gonna blow it are they gonna choke and they did kind of did last year so that's why I have the Mets lower because of history
2: but the Mets definitely have a very talented team they really do Wow that's insane to me Spoiler alert. I have the Mets in my top two. Not even my top three. I've met to my top two. So you having them at number eight is crazy to me. (laughs) My number eight team is the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, they lost... That low? You want to hear the names they lost, Casey? Yeah, I want to hear it. They lost Trey Turner, Tyler Anderson, Justin Turner, uh, Cody Bellinger, Andrew Heaney, and Chris Martin. Yet they're still considered a World Series contender. I'll give them credit for that. But they lost a lot of guys... They still have solid pitching with Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw, and now Noah Syndergaard as well. But I don't like their chances that much. Like, I think they're very overrated heading into the 2023 season in the MLB. Number seven, though, who do you guys have?
1: I got the Blue Jays.
2: I also have the Blue Jays at number seven, Dev. Yeah, I actually have the Phillies
3: at number number seven because... Obviously they made it to the World Series last year. A big concern is if Bryce Harper a big concern is Bryce Harper didn't need surgery for that torn UCL. That could prevent him from making it to the playoffs in a tough NL East and they did get Trey Turner mm-hmm. so maybe that'll
2: maybe that'll definitely boost it up. Who knows? Yeah, they got Trey Turner. They got Taiwan Walker. You guys already mentioned the Phillies, but the Phillies are actually my number six team in the MLB right now. Oh. I think they have so much pop in their bat from top to bottom in their lineup. They have great pitching as well. They bolstered their bullpen over the off season. I like the Phillies' chances to get back to the World Series this season. Uh, number five now, or number six for you guys? Number six, Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland wow. Guardians. Oh, I agree. High I on agree. This year. yeah. <laughs> Listen, they have a
3: lot. of... They have a lot of talent. I see a lot of lists with the Cleveland Guardians at 11 and 12, but people really underestimate how good
1: this team can
3: possibly perform. They really do. Yeah?
1: Yeah, Casey, I I have to agree with that. It's so crazy. I keep seeing the list with them outside of the top 10, and I'm just like, why? This team was in the ALDS, their youngest team in baseball, and I guess that could be why, but they yeah. – I don't know. They looked great last year. There's no reason why they can't look even better. I mean, the young guys are coming in their second year.
2: Yeah. Hey, it's where we want to be. We want to be doubted. We want to be the underdogs. We play well with that mindset. Number five, fifth best team in baseball, guys. I got the Dodgers. Yeah, I actually
3: have the Yankees at number five. Fair enough. Yeah, here's what the Yankees like to do. They like to add a lot of talent in the offseason. That's what they love to do. And all that leads is to, and all that leads is to another ALCS loss to Houston. But hey, the Yankees are definitely getting better, and you see that
2: a lot in the off season. All right, I have the Atlanta Braves at number five. I have the New York Yankees at number four. What's your guys' number four Uh team? The Slam Diego Padres. Wow. Interesting, okay. Wow, we they agree, agree with another <laughs> one because I, I have the Padres at number four as well. Well, I have the Padres at number three. I'm really high on the Padres this year. They just signed an 11-year, $350 million extension with Manny Machado this morning before we went on air. Yeah, and did. once they get Fernando Tatis Jr. back from his PED suspension, I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the NL. Uh, number three team for you guys, though. The Mets. Okay, and I have the
3: Dodgers at number three. It's the magic pixie dust, I'm telling we you. We just have the long. Dodgers and Mets flip-flop, don't we, Casey? Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> Interesting. Because, first off, this is the Dodgers we're talking about. All right. They can spend, it's not a bad argument. They can spend billions on an entire all-star right. team. Like like they did last year with 111 wins. I know me and Matt had that huge argument with, with the NL manager of the year. And you won. Made, yeah, I ended up winning Buck Showalter. I was proven right. If you can lead the Mets to the playoffs, you definitely are respecting my book.
2: All right, number two team. What you guys got? Braves. Once again, the Braves. Great minds
1: think alike, AC. Yeah, great minds think alike. <laughs> <Which laughs> me on
2: number one, why have the Mets number two, first and foremost? I mean, they have okay. Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Pick your ace. They're both aces, right? Oh, yeah. God number I one, I mean, we all agree, right? It's the Houston Astros. It's, a yep. team. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the Houston Astros. The Astros. The one team that hasn't been named. Are they going to repeat this year, guys? What do you think?
1: Uh,
2: I hope not. <laughs> well, I hope funny. not either. But are they going to?
1: Uh, possibly. I no. I'm gonna. I'm saying no. I'm saying no.
2: they're definitely the favorites. But I agree. No. I'm yeah. gonna say no. I don't. I don't see them repeating
3: this year. The loss of Justin Verlander is definitely going to stain, But you still have a lot of talent. You still got that blasted Jose Altuve. You still got Jordan Alvarez. Mm-hmm. They still got a lot of talent. I think the Astros definitely have a legit case, but I don't think they get it done this year.
2: Hey, they won it all last year, and that's why they deserve that number one spot in all three yes, of our do. rankings. Hopefully everybody enjoyed those MOB power rankings, and that is going to do it. a strong note, we also covered the NBA, Cavs, Guardians, and so much more. Any last thoughts on today's show, gentlemen?
1: Uh, No, just I'm excited for baseball season, spring training. It felt like opening day yesterday. Listen to the whole game. (laughs) Uh, Baseball and March Madness is coming
2: up. Oh, boy, I cannot wait. (laughs) Yes, March is a great time for sports. As always, go Zips. And I'm just looking forward to March, man. We have the MAC tournament, which you can expect a lot of WZIP coverage from. We have March Madness. And most importantly, as you guys said, baseball. Is back. <laughs> Four more of us here at WZIP Sports. Check out our podcasts, SBT Rewind and SBT Overtime. We have an exciting episode brewing in regard to the MAC tournament, so keep an eye out for that. Also, check us out on Twitter at WZIP Sports as well. Join me on today's show. We're Dev Lucas. I'm Casey Rush. My name is Jake Murrin. Be kind to one another, Akron, and Sports Power Talk will be back same time and place next week on 88.1. WZIP.